tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Imagine if, uh, I don't even know which number we're on, but that's okay. It's not that big a deal. It's like eight or nine, I maybe? Think it's eight. I, yeah, I think it's eight. I'm kind of excited because when 10 comes, that's, you know, numbers of 10 and 25, those are always special issues. Those are, those are special issues. You're right. So that's, so. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a special edition on that one. This will be the 10 hour episode where we, no. uh, <laughs> you're in charge of reimagining the Marvel U, I'm re in charge of imagining the DCU. Uh, both companies hear that episode, and we get our contract jobs, and we are set. <laughs> you know, that's it's, it's so funny because I mean, I know that when we do these, you and I, we could definitely go on for ten hours just talking about the subject. So, yes, uh, I, I can't even let us joke about something like that because we might do it. Um, <laughs> you better put the computer in the fridge to keep it cool because this is happening. <laughs> Well, there you go. But this is Imagine If, uh, I want to say, issue eight. I, think, I, think, I, like, that. I like calling it issue. Cause we were it is. It, it totally fits the theme. <laughs> you know, I like it that you always get into the mood by bringing in the, the little pop Total vinyls. In, and, and, and show, like, right now I have armored Batman and, and Hulkbuster uh, Iron Man in front of me. Just to get my juices going, so that uh, I'm ready for the the new Imagine If problem. Well, it, it totally helps because I don't know. Like, it, it's funny. I, I think I've got some kind of like comic book disease going on where I, I've totally got to be balanced. You know, like anytime I look at something DC does, I'm like, when did Marvel do it? What's its equivalent? And then vice versa. Well, you like know? we've talked about it many times on the show, they they always have an equivalent oh, over yeah. over in the at the other side of the street. If you want to say uh, the two the two companies. Are compete so much, and then the ideas come out at the exact same time. You got to wonder who was the mole. <laughs> yeah, like who's like what's going on at lunchtime? Is it like you know their their deli guy? He's like, oh, I heard they're gonna they're <laughs> gonna make exactly what Commissioner Gordon be Batman, and so they're like, crap, we need to make uh, Sam Wilson Captain America. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's the deli guy, man. He's stealing the ideas and switching it over. Well, because I'm like right now, I've been I've been tacking my brain because I'm like, okay, well, we've got. You know, this upcoming DC Rebirth. So this one's going to be an awesome comic. I mean, this is going to be a great brand new, you know, era of DC. And I'm like, well, what's the Marvel equivalent? So I was looking at it, and the best thing I could think of right now is the all-new, all-different Marvel Point One. you know, which would be similar to that. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like, I guess I need to get these two comics and, like, have them on a shelf together and be like, all right, this is, <laughs> this is when this happens, you know? But I mean, that's I mean, It's almost – it's a way of telling uh, – uh, keeping track of time, you know? Oh, it's, gosh. Uh, we're, 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 we're in the in the time did this uh, certain crossover event happen. Um, and, and that's where we're here today. The, the crossover event happened in Marvel uh, – what are we talking about? What, what What's the date on oh, House um, of M? Let me see. I, I've got it right here. So House of M was released – June through November of 2005. 2005. A happy, early, sunny part of the the new millennium. (laughs) 
Uh, and and we will get to that uh, a little bit later. First, let's let's talk about some uh, headlines. Some well, let's some see news. Up, upcoming stuff. So, uh, just flipping through the brand new previews. So this is all the items that are advertised for March coming out in May, and we've got all the DC books are hitting issue fifty two. So that's going to be exciting. Um, one thing that I think is kind of cool about it is they're making variant covers and their drawbacks to the new fifty two issue ones. But, like, with the modern look of the character. So, like, for example, like Green Lantern number one from the New 52, it has Sinestro striking, striking the, you know, classic ring pose mm-hmm. in a Green Lantern costume. And now issue 52 will have Sinestro striking the ring pose, but in his Sinestro core suit. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, like Batgirl, she's in the new, what do they call it? Burnside Batgirl, I think they call her. Why so Burnside? I, I, I have no clue. I'm thinking maybe that's the town that she's in. So kind of like when Nightwing moved over to Bloodhaven, I think. But I, I don't know. I could be wrong on that oh. one. But, but yeah, so you've got that coming up. Um, you know, books to watch. Obviously, the Superman titles are getting real big right now. We're going to have the uh, pre-52, post-crisis Superman. And he's going to be meeting up with the new 52 Superman. So I always think that's neat. Um, so I'm very excited to see what's going to happen out of that. So we're, we're really going to start seeing some of the breadcrumbs come along that are leading to rebirth. Um, Lex Luthor's going to emerge from the Dark Side War, and he's going to have some Superman-esque powers. So that'll that, be... You know, that that's, always seems like a dangerous thing to do, to give Lex Luthor powers. Uh, but it's eventually, you know, we get to find out Maybe you know, you, maybe he'll see how the other half lives and decide not to be uh, the classic Lex Luthor. You know, it, it is interesting because, like, oh, like if you go back to say All Star Superman, so at the big, you know, twelfth issue, the That's climax, right. you know, once he's got the powers, he's kind of like, oh my god, this is how he sees us. There's so much hope, and I'm gonna be a better person for it. But I just like to think that Luthor's so selfish that no, he won't. You know, he'll just <laughs> oh, be no, like, no. oh no. <laughs> Now I can just go grab a bag of coal and crush it down, and I got diamonds galore. You know, like the hell's wrong with this idiot? I, I, I can only see them just shoving it in, in Superman's face all the time, being like, "This is what you should have been doing with your powers the whole time." He's gonna steal nine cakes. <laughs> um, I was talking to uh, Daniel from Televised Rooks the other day. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, we were discussing. Um, uh, Captain Cold, and the last thing I read was uh, Forever Evil. So in that, he Captain Cold was kind of a part of uh, Lex Luthor's Justice League. Yes, uh, his makeshift Justice League. So at the end of that that trade, or yeah, that trade, that story, uh, Lex Luthor becomes part of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Did he, Captain Cold also become part? Yep, of Yep, he League? brought him over. Uh, Lex Luthor made Captain Cold like his head of personal security. And then on top of that, and he joins the Justice Leagues right alongside Lex Luthor. Or Lex Luthor, Batman, and all those guys. So, yeah, it's Leonard Snart is totally hanging out with the Justice League, and he's constantly like, hey, tell Wonder Woman I said hi, because I think she's really cute, <laughs> and, you know, and stuff like that. Which, the reason why he came up is because in the, I don't know if you're keeping up with Legends of Tomorrow, the new CW show, but in that he's uh, he's kind of turning his back on his criminal ways to be more of the hero and save the world. Because the idea is that him, that Rick Hunter chose him to help fight Van, fight Vandal Savage. So you know we were we were discussing the, the the turn of his character, and I said, well, I think the more the reason why. I mean, since Jeff Johns and Mark Wade's runs of of uh, Flash, the Flash, they've kind of made him more not so much uh, a killer, but more of a just a burglar. He's he's out to get 
things for himself, right? Well, that's true. They've always kind of – I feel like those guys took him – well, even like all the rogues, they were kind of a little bit bumbly in the Silver Age. You know, nobody ever really hurt anybody. You know, like not like how Mr. Freeze would like freeze your arm and shatter it. Right. You know, Captain Cold's just like – you know, he's like Captain Crunch with this ice gun, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to do bad things, but nothing really, really bad. Um, I know in the 80s when they kind of relaunched the Flash, they were making him a little bit darker. And then, yeah, like you said, Mark Wade came along, and, you know, he gave them they're the, they're the lovable losers. You know, it's like they're, like they're like Catwoman, but, you know, more goofy guy. Right. You know, and, and so that's where they became. Um, that's where they were going. And so, but yeah, especially for Captain Cold, I know once John's got there, he really did like he, you know, Captain Cold should have been a superhero. You know, he should have totally been a superhero with the way he acts, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, he just got so jaded that he's to a point where it's like, well, I can care less about helping you as long as I line my pockets. So it's interesting to see how the TV show is definitely playing with that and being like, okay. Let's uh, let's let's really make him a good guy. Let's really yeah, make him exactly. a hero. Yeah, exactly. He's he's becoming more of the hero in, in that. And and I uh, in in previous episodes of Televised Rogues, I, I explained to Daniel. If you look at it closely, you can see how uh, though they're not the Justice League, they are the Justice League. Like the, the oh, ones yeah. that like Snart is their Batman. He's he's going to come up with ways to get out of a, a any situation that needs to be getting out of, and he knows how to utilize people. Uh, 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 Ray Palmer, who's played by Brandon Routh, is hey, your Superman. Superman. Yeah, <laughs> he's the Boy Scout. You know, always be prepared and always uh, goody two shoes. Uh, Mick uh, Mick Rory Heat Wave is is kind of your Aquaman, like like the savage Aquaman in the. Okay, he's the, the real... muscle. He's he's there to like you know. Let's bash some heads. Exactly. Do some stuff. Okay. Canary is your uh, is your Wonder Woman, uh, and from there, kind of she gets does iffy. though. I could see that because she's she is showing a lot more like of a. A fighting index, you know, it's like yeah. wow, she really knows a lot about. They are playing up the the fact that her character spends so much time with the League of Shadows or League of Assassins for so long in, in this universe, this Arrow Flash CW universe, that uh, you know she is like she, like almost like the League of Shadows should never let her get away because she was their ultimate weapon. Apparently, well, I feel like they just need to make DVDs and be like, hey. Here's how you become this ultimate fighter because it didn't take long, and she's no. like mastered every form of hand-to-hand combat and is like this wise, like wise monk on it. You know, like oh, I can show you the secrets. You know, like I understand the falling leaf from a tree and I can snatch it in midair. And you're just like, what? Where did she become this ultimate powerhouse? You know. So yeah, I mean, from there, the, the rest of them, the rest of the things kind of get iffy. I mean, you. Firestorm might become your your Green Lantern. Well, I can see that he's got your... some maybe Kyle Rayner aspects. To yeah, him. exactly. You know, I could I could definitely see that. Um, you know, he's the young, youthful guy of the group, and his powers would be the most imaginative, imagination based ones. Where it's like, okay, I've got to think this to make it happen. So I could see that. And then Stein, kind of. I mean, if you think of him as old uh, Silver Age Barry, not so much. Maybe a John Jones. Since we don't have John Jones there, you John Jones too. He's, he's like a little most... bit of the heart of the soul team, yeah, you know, yeah. the most excited. Even though he did kidnap his other half, to... <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> Not that John is a kidnapper, but John was kidnapped, so it's a flip. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, and then I guess Hot Girl is just Hot Girl. <laughs> hot Girl's Hot Girl. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't anything. You know, like... okay. So this is funny. This was something that was bugging me. Now I'm I'm a little bit behind on my Legends of Tomorrow. I'm a lot behind. I think I've only seen maybe I know episode one, maybe two. 
Hawkman. Are we allowed to talk about? It? I don't want to spoil anything. I think uh, we're 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 a good few um, almost. I mean, a month and and some change out. So yeah, you can talk about. Okay. It. So in the show, I heard he died. Yep. Is he dead? Uh, yeah. Okay. But as, as far as we know, I mean, I'm sure they'll bring him back. You know, it'll be like because he's a character based off of reincarnation and all and that fun time stuff. Travel. And it's time travel. So there's many ways. Yeah. There's many outs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he so he is dead. So it's funny because they had. Um, the Injustice book, right? And the Injustice book, he's like, you know, he, he was just off in space. And Hawkgirl is a playable character on the game, and she's one of the major lieutenants on Superman's team. Right. And so, you know, here we are. We're in on Injustice Year 5. And by the way, Injustice is a great book. I highly recommend go out there, track them down, read them. They're fun. They're great. There's some high stakes at play. I, I particularly am still on uh, book two or year two, I should say. Oh, nice! So, uh, did you enjoy year one? I did. I enjoyed it right? quite a bit, and, and and the half of year two that I've read so far is good. I just need to get the other half and then keep going. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I got to say, year one, year two were fantastic. The annuals were great. Uh, they did a fantastic job with it. Uh, year, year three, three is when he gets the he gets the yellow ring, right? You, no, that's year two because year two is all about the Green Lanterns. So you'll see that in year two, part second two, half, yeah. the second half book. Um, but but the thing is, I guess what I got to advocate is Tom Taylor is fantastic. Tom Taylor is great for the DC and Justice universe. Um, I followed his uh, Superior Iron Man. It was fun. It was a good book. I just think, unfortunately, it got killed with the whole Secret Wars business because, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to do this to Iron Man, but we need him for this crossover, so you get a little bit of play. (laughs) So they did kind of rob him. But it's a shame that he didn't get to stay on Injustice. Uh, I know, like, I I think he's – it's the deep. He's got his own creator, own cartoon – it sounds like it's fantastic. I, you know, I got to figure out where to watch it so I can give it a shot. But his work is great. Uh, so anytime you can see Tom Taylor's name, I definitely recommend reading it. Um, and there's a change because he had to he had to pull out of Injustice about halfway through year three. And no offense to Brian Bruticello, I think I'm saying that right. It's not the same. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, I, I guess to give him some credit, you know, it is tough that. Like, because you're writing this comic book, I, I can imagine it's got to be harder for the, the the writer because it's not the traditional panels. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that when you're reading the book, it's very right. much like top panel, bottom panel, and that's supposed to represent one screenshot, second screenshot. And so, you know, if you look at two open pages in the book, you see four panels basically. Mm-hmm. So that's that's you got to write way different. Um, each comic book is two digital chapters. Well, for year one, it's three digital chapters. For years two and beyond, it's two digital chapters. So that's even a little bit different, too. That's why if you ever notice, like, sometimes the book, it's like, that's weird. Why did it? Oh, I guess you're reading in the hardback, so it's a little bit easier. Right. But if you're reading the comics, you're kind of like, I bought one issue of a comic. Why do I feel like I read three issues? <laughs> you know? But you, you did. You read three issues. Um, but so anyways, the, the book has been interesting. Uh, Tom Taylor got to come back for Injustice Year 4 annual. Great read. Um, I think you're going to love Year 5 because it's more of a villain focus, and you kinda, you've kind of got like, that yeah. flair for that. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, uh, I'll bring by my annual copy for you to read. And I, <laughs> we're going to have to speed you up. <laughs> we're going to do a little League of, of Journey ourselves here, take you two years <laughs> in the future. But uh, hell of a book. But anyways, why I brought it up, long story short. So in issue, I want to say issue four or five of year five, 
So finally, the big moment, Hawkman's coming back, right? And it's like, oh, and he even has the cover. You got this big old striking Hawkman flying at you, right? And so it opens up on Thangar, Thangar. And Hawkman's standing around talking with other Hawkmen, Hawk people. And all of a sudden, like, oh, where's, where's Shiera? And he's like, oh, she's on Earth. Oh, why isn't she near you? And it's like, that's right. She's my wife. She should be here. <laughs> so he just gets on a starship and flies to Earth. And then he's basically, like, grabbing her. And he's like, you're coming home. You're coming home right now. Doesn't matter that she wants to stay. Doesn't matter that she has her own life and is doing it. And I'm like... Who the hell's this Hawkman? I've never seen never him seen be this Carter, that way, yeah. chauvinistic pig. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, whoever's writing, Brian, you better start listening. I'm like, you don't get these kids. Like, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, Hawkwoman, you know, they're in love. You know, they are equal partners. They are partners, too. They're law partners. And all of a sudden, it's like, nope, you know, I'm going to club you over the head and drag you back home. <laughs> it was so stupid. It was just such a stupid it left a bad taste in my mouth after i read it and i was like oh that's disappointing because here's hawkman like to me i don't know if you remember when they did um justice league the nail and another nail mm -hmm. remember how awesome hawk girl's character was in that mm -hmm. one they killed hawkman right and she was just that much more of a stronger person because she had to be strong for herself and still continue on with heroics. So I thought, man, that could be something. What if they did that in Justice? Like, not saying that, hey, you know, but I, I think I'd rather see that Hawkman dead than alive. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely doesn't bring anything to, oh, to he the did book. Not. That if, was if, like, that's, if that's the way they portrayed yeah, the character. Yeah, he, he was just such an abusive dick. And it's like, wow, this was stupid. So that was a shame. Very, very much a missed opportunity. Um, well, let's see. Going back to the original point of stuff, what a, what a weird web of tangents. <laughs> um, but anyway, so let's see. The, the DC side of stuff, like I said, they're all hitting their 52nd issue. So neat little, neat little stuff there to read. The Superman books, they're going to be going through a crossover called Super League. So in that scenario, um, Paul Tomasi is going to be writing Superman, Action Comics, Superman, Batman, and... Or no, I think it's called Batman, Superman, and then Superman, Wonder Woman. So those four books. And they're going to be going on a crossover for two months. <clears throat> and so basically, Superman's like, I need more power. The Justice League isn't strong enough. I need to make a Super League. <laughs> so he's going around. He's getting Superman-like beings. And obviously, this is when we're finally going to have, you know, our two Supermen meet. And, you know, wow, you know, how crazy is this? Because, you know, if we think about it, Pre-52 Superman was married to Lois. Um, Pre-Superman, pre-52 Superman, we saw him appear in Convergence, and him and Lois, they're pregnant. They actually deliver their baby, baby John. Um, so that the, the microphone just jumped at me. That was crazy. <laughs> um, I guess I need to give more screen time to Marvel. <laughs> That's what it's telling you. But anyways, so, um, yeah, they, 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 they've got a kid together. And in the DC New 52 universe... You know, Lois and Clark aren't even really friends right now. You know, he's kind of ticked at her for spilling the beans on his secret identity. So that's that's going to be kind of interesting to see. All right, how are they how are they going to play that? What's the reactions going to be? So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. So that could be a worthwhile read. Uh, let's see on the Marvel side of stuff, we should be coming out of Pleasant Hill, which by the way, Avengers Standoff, great. There's two parts out. I've enjoyed both of them. So highly recommend go out there and get yourself a copy. Um, we're going to have some fallout of that. There's going to be a new Thunder, Thunderbolts book released, and Winter Soldier's going to be in charge of that, so that's a book I'm going to be buying. Uh, we're going to get the new Captain America Stephen Rogers book, so 
you know, good old Cap is coming back. Uh, Sam Wilson will also still retain his book. So that's cool. You know, basically all three of them will have a book of their own. Um, we're getting ready to start seeing some Civil War stuff build up. Civil War Two is coming. Um, one thing that I did find interesting. So there's a book that you should be reading, I should be reading. It's called The Ultimates. And <clears throat> basically this is the ultimate team of Marvel people, and they're going out and fixing the ultimate problems. And on the cover of this book, and it even says Civil War tie-in, it shows Thanos standing there holding a cosmic cube and like all the heroes laid down on the ground. So it's like, oh, okay, this will be interesting because Civil War... It's a big event. Yeah, well, but what was interesting about the original Civil War... It was all Earth. There yeah. was no, like, space involvement. That's true. You know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Annihilation, that was all in space. Didn't affect our Civil War. And so, and as a matter of fact, it actually hindered what was going on. Because if you ever get a chance, Annihilation, and Annihilation, I forget, it's Annihilation 2, I forget what they called it, the subtitle. Both of those are great reads. And in the second Annihilation, you know, uh, Nova is like, I need to go ask my friends on Earth for help. And he finds out they're going through the Civil War. And he's like, that's stupid. This is so <laughs> stupid. You idiots are fighting about that when we have a whole galaxy that's going to destroy itself. I'm not going to ask any of you for help. <laughs> and he just leaves, you know. <laughs> and so I thought, wow, that was, that was kind of cool that it actually, you know, stopped him from getting help. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing that. And um, the X-Men books, there is a little bit of love there finally. You know, we're, we're getting the, uh, the Apocalypse Wars, I think they're calling it. So, basically, obviously, they're, they're tying in the three books, all new X-Men, no, uh, Extraordinary X-Men, and Uncanny X-Men. Those three books will be crossing over. And we're going to see some major changes to Apocalypse, uh, Kid Apocalypse, a.k.a. Genesis, and Archangel. And I don't know what else to call him besides Archangel because with the time-displaced young X-Men, we have a young Warren Worthington, and he has a power upgrade. So after the Black Vortex, he um, he's the ultimate version of himself. Mm -hmm. So he's got these, like, flame wings, and I think they can actually, like, project heat and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And so he can – I think he can even hide his wings, you know, like better than, you know, folding them up into his coat like he used to do in the <laughs> 60s. Um, so he's alive. And I thought – so they had um, a big story in the X-Force books, and basically they had to kill Waring Worthington, the current angel. Right. And But he didn't die. Like, his body's still alive, but his mind is dead. Yes. And so he's like Because they used the, the seed on him, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, because that's where Apocalypse was hiding was the seed. So essentially he was the new Apocalypse. So he got killed, and now he's, he's back. And so anyways, the body's alive. So I guess we'll call that one Warren. I don't know. And... He doesn't know what he is. He actually thinks he's an angel. You know, he's like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a real angel, you know. <laughs> well, now we're starting to see him go back and forth between his angel persona and an archangel look. And I think, and I haven't really been reading Uncanny X-Men, but it looks like every time he's in the book on Uncanny, he's got the whole archangel look, but he's not talking. Hmm. So it's like, okay, how's he getting used here? What's going on with that? So, yeah, some exciting stuff. Civil War Two is coming up. Um, and the Apocalypse Wars, definitely some things worth keeping an eye out for. Cool. Um, I know earlier this week you would, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, you you decided to uh, read reread uh, Origin by for, for Wolverine or you yeah, I kind of just got into through something that you wanted to look it up again or well, I was just kind of looking at some stuff because I was thinking about Wolverine and he's a he's a funny character because when he first appeared, he appears in the Incredible Hulk issue 180, you know, just like the last panel. And then, boom, here's the big premiere issue, Hulk 181, 
you know, Hulk, Wendigo, and Wolverine duking it out. And that was cool. And then I remember, well, basically, I won a couple eBay auctions. And so I remember I had this book, The Wolverine Saga, Part 2. And I would read it back and forth because it had all these panels. Like, what it basically was is, like, somebody typed, you know, like, here's what's going on. It was like a Wikipedia article before Wikipedia existed. <laughs> and so I thought this book was so cool because it would tell you a linear story of Wolverine. But I never had issues one, three, and four. So finally I said, oh, hell with it, you know, and I found a good uh, good lot i bought it and i was like oh this is cool and it's funny because i think that wolverine saga was published before they did the whole weapon x so i was like oh because you know they don't like marvel doesn't even know what the hell this true story of wolverine's origin is it's true you know and it's so it's like and i was thinking about because we've got okay so origin should be the first book and then obviously there's origin two and then I guess you would have, you know, whatever little books here and there, you know, one one issues or whatnot. And then it should go into Weapon X, and then it should go into his first appearance. So I'm looking at, like, these four stories before we really get to Wolverine we know. And then there's, you know, he's got endings. You have Wolverine the end, Old Man Logan. So it's like, what goes with what? And and plus, I know you and I have talked about this, and I know this is, this is what you want to segue into in Origin. You know, so it was written by Paul Jenkins. And if I remember correctly, I think he wrote Wolverine the End. So that might be something we need to read to I have, get the answers. I, I know I read that one, too. And in that one, the, the main bad guy ends up being uh, James Hallett Jr. Or not James, John Hallett Jr. Yeah, so the, the, the brother, brother that, that you, died. You, yeah, that is to, you're told in that's Origin true, that right. he's dead. And that's the reason why, because he died at a young age because he got sick. And that's why young James is always sick throughout the book. Because the beginning of Origin starts off like the Secret Garden. Like the novel, The Secret Garden. You have uh, the sick boy. You have the the girl that's the the, the, the comes and just plays with him yeah. because he needs to have a friend. And then there's the the gardener boy, the, the yeah, son the of the dark, gardener mysterious. that always plays. Yeah. But then it, it it starts to change from there. And then you got the you know uh, he talks about how he's sick and his older brother was sick all the time. That's why he died. And but then in the end, you find out that all these things were happening to James throughout his life. Uh, every bad step, everything that ever went wrong in his life, every uh, woman that he loved that got killed, has all been orchestrated by James. Like it's all been his older brother. Like, no kidding. Hey, I mean, because it's been a while since I've read that. Right, so, right. So, so it wasn't Sabretooth? No, like I thought it even was. Sabretooth was like uh, an instrument of. Oh uh, my god! John so Howard that was Jr. a bigger puppet master, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and they yeah, even yeah. started doing that in when. Well, then when that was that had, Romulus, they, yeah, they had character? origins. And Origins right. ended up ha- having Romulus as being the big <laughs> puppet master. I think what they tried to do eventually is they made Romulus and John Hallett be the same person. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. See, now, if it were me, <clears throat> I'd say it was all Stan Lee's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's his fault from the Because if you think about it, Stan Lee presents. He was the one presenting that to you. He was presenting these dark tales that happened to Wolverine. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, Origin came out in November 2001, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia page, and um, I've always had this issue with that. Well, let's let's, let's pull up the page. So um, we're looking at. So I've got the trade handy, but it, I believe it was Wolverine Origin issue two, and it's about midway through the page, and we see. Um, actually, I think it's issue three. Uh, is it issue three? I thought it was issue one, actually. But it could no. It was, it was well, issue it was, one ends with the boys crying uh, after Wolverine or young James has, has stabbed uh, Logan, right? I think so. Because it's been a. I know. I just read these. 
So, no, yeah, it was issue three. Because issue one, because I like how they played that off. Because, of course, when we first meet these boys, we want to think um, Dog, as they refer to him. Yeah. We want to think that actually is Logan. Right. Because his father, Thomas Logan, looks like modern-day Wolverine. Right. And so the issue number one ends with Thomas Logan beating his boy. And then issue two, issue two ends with the... Um, <clears throat> the first time we see James pop his claws, and so then, and that's what you you think you wouldn't think that uh, you know Wolverine was this uh, came from a well-to-do family and uh, you know enough that they had they had gardeners and oh rich people. You know, so you, that, that's where, where they're playing with that idea. Yeah, and then you um, and which they definitely imply in the book a lot is that uh, Logan Thomas Logan is the father of both. James Hallett or John Hallett Jr. and James Hallett. Right. So then it's his genes that are passed on that give Wolverine his claws or his, yeah, he's his the healing maker. ability. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the Hallets, they're just unfortunately taking care of this hussy. <laughs> <laughs> but then I said, um, I think so. The page in issue three, page whatever. Well, I don't have a number. It's like the middle of the book. There's a there's a scene where the young Rose is trying to explain to the grandfather what had happened the night before because her and, and James are on on the run now because they're wanted for the murder of, uh, I, I think, the, the murder of John Hallett, the senior. And how horrible are these cops <laughs> yeah. that show up? Because it's like, clearly, like, you know, whatever, Mrs. Hallett, she commits suicide. Right. How can you not see that that's a suicide? <laughs> you know, so because, yeah, like Dog, his face is slashed. Right. Thomas Logan has been gutted. Right. Uh, John Howlett has been shot, probably presumably in the face. Right, by Logan. By, by Lo- or, yeah, Thomas, by Logan. Thomas Logan. And it's like, so these cops walk in and be like, oh, yeah, the young, frail girl, she must have done <laughs> all of this. All of but it. But then I think it's also implied, or you can infer, that the grandfather being of money oh, yeah. is the one that tells the cops this is what happened and you're just going to go with that But even story. so, what the hell's wrong with him to the point where he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to pin it on this girl and I'm going to put my grandson through hell and I'm going to take care of this the gardener's boy. Like, what? Like, that's the thing, like, it's funny because that's what was driving me as I was reading this. Bill Jameis, Joe Quesada, and Paul Jenkins are the three masterminds behind the plotting. And like I was making a joke a minute ago, it's like, poor Paul Jenkins, he must have sat through so many meetings with like <laughs> Joe, an artist, and Bill, a businessman, and they're like, yeah, Wolverine's going to like take out a bazooka, and he's going to shoot down a pterodactyl. And it's like, are we in the future? Are we in the past? What are we doing? So he's just like... A shotgun will shoot the dad. Okay, I'll meet you guys somewhat in the middle. You know, like so in oh. the in in the the panels, you have uh, Rose holding on to a very sick or very catatonic uh, James, uh, explaining to the grandfather, "Hey, I, you know, it's it's not his fault. Something weird happened. Uh, his hands." And then the, the grandfather's like, "Oh, I know all about it." And he's holding up. Well, it's either see. I say he's holding up his own pair of his hands, and you can see claws popping out. Meaning, the the the, the Wolverine bloodline, the the mutation comes down the the Howlett side of the family. Whereas other people say uh, that those are actually um, James's hands that are being held up in front of the grandfather. To and he's still saying I know about it, but he doesn't care. Yeah, so, well, and it, it's a tough panel to interpret because there is there's a clue. I think it was issue one or two when the mom, probably issue two, when the mom was undressing, 
and Rose accidentally walks in. You see the three claws on her back, or the claw marks. So it's like, okay, so these Wolverine babies were happening, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it is funny because it's like when you look at – and I guess it's interesting. Like, does that mean that the granddad is also the gardener's dad? Like, maybe he was boinking all these women just like the wife is doing and making babies. And, <laughs> I guess that's you a know, possibility, I mean, too. I, it, it's so, like – I guess it's – it's not explained, you know, like it's I get not. it. It's trying to be an artsy fartsy book and, and be like, Oh, look how, look how elevated I am. And you know, but it's, and like, okay, you like to throw even some more mystery out there for the listeners. You actually met Paul Jenkins. Like, that's where I was going to go next. Okay. At, go for at, it. At Sorry. San Diego Comic-Con, I believe 2009, 2008, somewhere around there. I went to San Diego Comic-Con and I happened to be around Paul Jenkins cause he was signing some stuff and he was all done. And I was like, you know, I would love for you to sign this for me. And I gave him, I uh, gave him my book and he signed it. And like, I really would love you to answer this question because it's a big debate between me and my friends. And I, I come across, I say, I believe that this, this man, the grandfather is showing his own hands saying that he knows about the claws cause he has his own set of claws. And my friends say that these are, he's holding up James's hands. Uh, which is it? You know, and he, and the answer he gave me, he says, <laughs> You'll just have to wait until we come out with Origins 2. And I was like, or Origin 2. I was just like, no, don't give me the buy more comic books. Buy more Ovaltine fucking answer. That's terrible. Well, and then the worst is it didn't It happen. didn't answer. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> like Origin 2 comes along written by a whole different guy, whole different story. And it's like. What the hell, man? <laughs> what the uh, comic book resources does a great article called "Abandoned and Forsaken." I think we need to. Hopefully, if they're listening, this needs to be something that you guys talk about and ask too, because it is. It's like is the old man grabbing uh, James's hand and like shoving it away? Is Rose holding up the hand and holding it to the grandpa? Is the grandpa holding his own hand, pulling out the claws? And it's just like there's so much interpretation. And it's beautiful artwork. I'm not blaming the artist, and I'm not even blaming the writer, but it's just so blasé and vague. <laughs> You're like, well, what does this mean? What am I looking at here? What's going on? And, and you know, you've got six issues, and they don't explain a damn thing. <laughs> they don't explain a damn thing. Because I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, this grandfather, the issue prior is yelling at his son, John, and he's like, why don't you just beat the hell out of the gardener and fire him? And then next thing you know, he shows up at the murder scene and he's, you know, all right, gardener boy, I'll make it worth your while. No, he would have been like, you tell me where the hell my grandson is and I'm still killing you anyways. It's just, will I kill you nicely or will I kill you harshly? You know, and there's so many weird moments. And then like what, issue five, then the grandpa's like, oh, I realized I made a mistake, but I told the cops to give me information anyway. So go and track Wolverine, okay? Go find him. (laughs) And then, like I said, even the character of Smitty. Smitty's a bad Badass. You meet him like in issue four, and you're like, "This dude is freaking cool." And that's, this guy's he, awesome. He's the character, like the Wolverine that you see nowadays, is is yep. very much modeled after Smitty, yep. his first uh, real his, father figure. Yeah, you know, I mean, hell, that's where we get the whole samurai business and all this stuff. And you're like, "This is awesome." And then the opening of issue six. Hey, does anybody want to buy a pocket watch? Because I can't earn any money. You know, I'm like, "What the hell? When'd you become a weasel?" You know, <laughs> like the only character who stayed true and consistent in the whole book was Cookie, the big fat piece of shit. <laughs> he was the only character who stayed consistent, and that pisses me off because it's a story origin and. Oh, God. <laughs> I wish I hadn't reread it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's so funny because I remember reading, uh, reading it and, and loving it. And uh, now that you've gone back and reread it, I, it's funny that how much you dislike it now. So 
that's that's interesting. So uh, anybody who's read Origin or wants to go out and read Origin, uh, you definitely do definitely do and give us your uh, interpretation in and, of of what happens in that book. So yeah, read it and chime in because who knows maybe you know because it, it is tough. It's it's funny because. Kind of like what happened with us with Craven, you know. It's like mm-hmm. you hear this story and it's on such a, a high pedestal and it, it seems great, and then you go back and visit and you're kind of like, "Well, that didn't age well at all, at all," <laughs> you know. And it's it's true because like even right now I'm I'm reading Origin two, and I read the first issue and I thought that was cool, you know. It's like now that Wolverine fled humanity, he's living amongst the wolves, and you know, obviously it's got this big opening theme that's going to play a big part of the. Of the, what the story is going to be, but it's to me, I'm not excited for the rest of the story because Mister Sinister is now going to be part of the Wolverine Origins, and it's like weird. He's really? already too much part of like the Cyclops summers, and, yeah. yeah. You know that was their thing. You know when we even had you know the whole origin of Mister Sinister book, and now it's like, and I guess I just get annoyed because it's like there's this whole freaking world out there. And apparently, you know, I mean, it makes sense that it all happens in New York because you can't be heroes unless you're all in the same zip code. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it all happens f- in New York and a little bit of Canada. And I, that's it. I think it's also funny is like how many times we go back to who's the oldest mutant. Because oh, like, sometimes it's Wolverine, sometimes it's Mr. Sinister, sometimes it's Namor. He's the oldest mutant, you know? Well, I think I think the winner of all of that, though, I'd, I'd have to go with Apocalypse. I think he's got to be the hands down I the was, oldest. I was... I always uh, attribute Apocalypse to being part alien. Well, I agree with that. I agree with that. This whole, I, I don't know which, the Celestials came down. Right. And, you know, he got a lot of their tech. So he's so, he's like a proto-mutant. I don't know, what, whatever you want to call really, it. That's a, that's a real good uh, uh, name for it. He's, Coined right here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, like, you know, the in, in the whole evolution part of it, you know, he'd be the thing that's not human, but he's not mutant yet so he's the ne- the thing he produces is mutant so yeah well and it's funny because like if we think about it, in the classic sense of stuff in the classic sense of the term i would say like namer is your first mutant and then it goes to like professor xavier and stuff like that but even then like namer shouldn't really be a mutant because it's like well yeah his dad and atlantis and atlantean we're together mm-hmm. so duh they're gonna be some kind of half breed uh, yeah. you know so it's like so in reality i'd say yeah you're you're whoever was born first professor x or magneto you know and those are the mutants but you know we we, we keep like wolverine it's like as time progresses, like I could see him being like Vandal Savage of the Marvel U, you know, like he was the first caveman and he just lived the whole Marvel Universe <laughs> timeline, you know, and it's like, seriously, like what, what the heck? Like, all right, because I got to show you this piece of artwork. So I'm looking at the, the Wolverine saga issue three and it's the back cover. And it's what I'm showing Mitch here. So on the back cover, we have these four slices of panel. So the top ones, when Wolverine was kissing Jean Grey during the um, X-Factor crossover called the Genosha, um, the Extinction Agenda. So Cameron Hodge manages to get Jean and Wolverine, so he puts them in a room together. And obviously this is going to shatter Cyclops, defeating all of them. Second part of the page shows Wolverine fighting Lady Deathstrike, um, you know, showing how their, their history goes. And the third part of the panel shows like this, you know, specter-like Wolverine embracing the the universe. And they did have a story where at one point Wolverine's near something that's like a cosmic cube. And Wolverine somehow gains like ultimate like consciousness with the universe and becomes all 
this, all this almighty, yeah, yeah, you know, and I just laugh at this journey that Wolverine's been through because obviously he's a hell of a popular character, <laughs> but it's like, are you serious? At one point, he was everything. Oh, well, he you was know, like, there's everything. that, uh, there's the issue of, um, uh, I don't remember what issue it is, but it's of Wolverine where he, uh, they literally just go through a month in his life where he, and this is at the height of his popularity where he's on four four different teams including Wolverine and the Power Pack oh and gosh like, I think says, I've read that it issue. says Monday he's here Tuesday he's there Thursday he's here you know and, and it literally goes and then he, he at the end of the month he says I'm just I'm beat I don't know <laughs> where I get. and it, it's not like he's just in New different parts of New York he's in Tokyo he's in right you know, and Egypt. within the span of a week in some of these cases yeah <laughs> no I, I think I remember that issue and that was fun that was fun um Oh, man, I'll have to find him. I'll probably get him first for the next recording. But um, a buddy of mine, Sean, he introduced me to these two Wolverine comics. And it was really neat because it kind of talks about why Wolverine is running. You know, it's like right. they ask him, like, why are you doing this? Actually, I think it's the same story. I think it, it, I is, think it is, is the same, same story. story arc, yeah. And, you know, he's just basically kind of he's like, I'm afraid of myself. I don't like me. So by keeping busy, I don't have to deal I with me. Deal. And it was like, wow. Because that's also the – I think that's the sto- same story arc. Not Maybe not the same issue, but that's the one where they have all those different – uh, single panels of each like head of a different like person, and they're like, "Well, what does Wolverine mean to you?" Like that might be something different than I. Is think. that different? I think that might be. I think that's Avengers because I feel like that's a Bendis thing. You know, yeah. he loves his talking <laughs> heads. <laughs> but uh, but no, but yeah, that's right. Where they've done stuff like that, yeah, where they're like, "What does he mean to you?" and you know, and some of them they they do put the nice opinion out there, but a lot of them, yeah, they kind of picked up that he's like, "Well, he seems like a self loather," you know, like he's not happy with himself, and you're like, "Wow, that's." That's sad. <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, a little bit of uh, of, of uh, character one hundred and one for Wolverine. <laughs> Not that I mean, you kind of still need it, even though he's such a popular character and he's oh. been in just about everything. You need uh, we a should one and just we should do a, him. a real legit one hundred and one because there's so much. Like, even the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll, I'll save some of that for another recording. But, yeah, what happens behind the scenes with that character, what he's been through, um, original panels of what he should have looked like underneath that's the mask. That's the craziest. That's yeah. the, some of the craziest stuff right there. Yeah, and it's like, wow, that's what could have been our Wolverine. What was it? Who was, was it? Was it comic book resources that used to do the whole uh, uh, debunking of myths? Or, or Yeah, yeah, they were the one. They'd have those, like, you know, was, you know, was it supposed to be... Uh, Bruce Wayne who got his neck broken in Nightfall or something else. And, yeah. You know, comic book urban legends and comic, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, urban legends and stuff like that, yeah. That's, that's very good. Um, but let's get down to our uh, challenge for this week. All know? right, some House of Action. <laughs> that's right. We decided to do House of M. So House of M, let me uh, go ahead and give you a brief synopsis of it. Um, we had a basically disassembled happened first? well let's see we are so the the two big comic books of the day um new avengers and uncanny x no um astonishing x-men they are the biggest books right now at this height of marvel publication and new avengers is directly from the fallout of the avengers disassembled story right and um astonishing x-men is right from the fallout of planet x which was the last story arc of Grant Morrison's run on the X-Men teams, X-Men and New X-Men. And um, so they were just going through a lot of stuff, some crazy... I mean, like, New York just got destroyed, like, three ways from Sunday in those those trade paperbacks, those stories. And so it all comes to a head because the person responsible for the Avengers' worst day, the Scarlet Witch. Right. And why are the X-Men involved? Well, she's a mutant. 
Right, so. and she and you could say that she's part of their family or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. however you want to put it. Well, I've got the, the trade handy if you want. You want me to give the back synopsis? Yeah, let's go ahead and read that. Okay, so on the back of you, if you do purchase one of the trades, you'll see the Avengers and the X-Men have been called together to decide the final fate of the Scarlet Witch, whose reality-altering mutant powers threaten the fabric of the Marvel Universe. As the heroes argue for the life of their former teammate, a wave of white life and go- white light engulfs, its, engulfs them all. Blah, 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 blah. In just an instant, the mo- entire Marvel Universe has changed forever. House of M is a world for four is a world far different from before. Now, mutants rule over mutant kind under the iron hand of Magneto and his children, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Only a few scattered groups of heroes will exist in resistance against mutant domination. With only Wolverine remembering the world as it should be, how can they succeed in overthrowing the House of M? Eisner award-winning writer Brian Michael Bendis of Ultimate Spider-Man and New Avengers teams with artist Oliver... Olivier? Olivier? Olivier Copier... Uh, of the Avengers to present the blockbuster Marvel Comics event of 2005. Featuring the red-hot heroes of Astonishing X-Men and New Avengers, this is a must-read storyline for every Marvel fan. And, and, and exactly right. They're, you know, the, the uh, um, Magneto and his family are basically the royal family, and they, they rule over the whole Earth, and mutants are, are uh, not feared but more revered, and humans are the ones that are the minority. Yeah. And so I mean, I'm guessing that meant like in certain uh, since they they split, they didn't just decimate the human population. Like humans that didn't have powers eventually just got powers for whatever reason, like whatever kind of reason, whatever kind of powers, maybe even small powers, but powers nonetheless. Well, it was interesting because I, I thought that was kind of cool because one of the one of the big things in the story because it it happened for Spider Man. Remember, Spider Man was like posing as a mutant. He's like, oh no no, I'm totally a mutant. I'm a totally mutant because mm-hmm. they didn't really like you know proto humans. You know, like Captain Marvel, she was cool. And people accepted her, but deep down they were like, well, you're still a human. You're still human. You're right. still human. So she'd always get kind of like left out because of that. And Spidey was just like, nope, I'm a mutant. I'm totally mutant. And it's <laughs> funny because it's like, you know, Spider-Man a mutant? Oh, my God. That's, you know, that's the worst thing that you could be. Because first off, it's tough being Spider-Man. The cops hate you. <laughs> and now you're a mutant and everybody hates mutants. And everybody hates you mutants, know. Yeah. But here in this world, that's totally, you know, obviously if in, a, in our world that's the ultimate negative. In this world, that's the ultimate positive. So He's, he's living life large. So that's what you got. Uh, the synopsis of the new world in uh, Wikipedia is when the light departs, we see the world has changed. Spider-Man is a celebrity married to Gwen Stacy. Cyclops and Emma Frost are married. Doctor Strange is a psychologist. Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel, America's most beloved superhero. Gambit is a criminal. And Steve Rogers is an aged veteran. As we follow vignettes of, of their lives, it becomes very readily apparent that none of them remember the change. Wolverine recalls all of his lost memories and knows this world is a lie. He finds the world has changed into one where Homo superior are the dominant species instead of Homo sapiens. Mutants rule humans, and Magneto and his House of M rule mutants. So, I mean, that's it was a very big part of, of Wolverine's now story, that he not only remembers the real world, but also has all the memories that he had lost throughout time. Yeah, his life. His, past. his whole life is his again. Yeah. That was... And that was a big... I, you know, that's almost like that's what this whole story kind of pans out is so that Wolverine can have his memories when oh. they come back to the real world. Well, that's such a huge... That's a huge thing because even the fans don't know what the hell's going on with the character. Even the character doesn't know what the hell's going on. So at least the character knows. So you're like, oh, my God, you know, are they going to reveal this? Is this going to be big? And obviously that was a big push during, you know, because I think Origin had just finished. Right. So now it's like, okay, well, let's let him know about this. And then that helps the Wolverine Origins book. 
Right. You know, and that's why he's on these quests to find things like Romulus and so forth. So then we have Wolverine seeks help from his fellow X-Men and Avengers, unable to find Professor X. X. Wolverine goes looking for Spider-Man and Tony Stark. He confront. He is confronted by his teammates in the Red Guard, elite mutant soldiers of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wolverine escapes and finds the human resistance movement led by Luke Cage. Cage has gathered other non-mutant crime fighters to protect humans from the House of M's abusive powers. Wolverine is shocked to see one of the, cha- the members is Clint Barton, Hawkeye, a hero who had, who had died in the real world during... Disassembled. Yeah, and that was another big one, too, because Hawkeye was dead. He was off the the chessboard, and now all of a sudden it's like, wait, that's Hawkeye. Hawkeye's back. Which, you know, (laughs) like we said, Disassembled was all because of Scarlet Witch, so more than likely, you know, she, she can bring him back because she's the one that took him out. Yeah, and even, you know, and that that's even something, like, the, speaking of another panel and crazy theory about what happens, so in Disassembled, uh, I forget what issue, I want to say, like, 501 or 502, in Avengers 501, 502, that's when we see the Scroll alien armada come down over New York and start it, or not Scroll, sorry, we see the Kree, Kree. And but there's this one scroll soldier there, and you're like, what the hell? And, and then you know, and then eventually after House of M, we're gonna have like two more crossovers, and then we're gonna have Secret Invasion, where it turns out the scrolls have been planting themselves and hiding the whole time. Like that's why you grew a goatee to hide your scrolly chin, you <laughs> scroll bastard. Well, you like the you know cucumbers and, and strawberries. So. Uh, yeah, that's that was uh, Bendis's way of saying that was that yeah, was there was a seed then. then. Um, so then Wolverine explains why he knows the world is created by the Scarlet Witch. He theorizes Magneto used her to create a world where everyone's deepest wish was granted. Magneto got the, the mutant supremacy he always wanted. Spider-Man got a life of happiness and commitment or contentment. Wolverine is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. but remembers the world from before House of M. Cage reveals that a little girl named Layla Miller told him almost exactly the same thing days ago, and the heroes begin visiting the Avengers and X-Men in their new lives as Layla, Layla awakes them with their true memories. Now we won't have to get into the whole Layla Miller thing because that eventually goes way too weird oh, and not, not a sufficient uh, ending to her character. But yeah, that was a rip off too. That was another one where it's like, here's this cool thing. And then it, and it didn't pay off. And I always love like, so what's your power? I know stuff. I know stuff. Yeah. Oh, so you can access Wikipedia. Cool. <laughs> so then, uh, after house of, and we, we've come to find out that house of M wasn't, uh, Magneto. It was actually Quicksilver that was yeah. whispering into Scarlet Witch's eyes. Exactly. Ear. Everybody thought, well, it's got to be Magneto's because fault. Because he, he became the highest power there was in the in the land. But yep. it was actually... Nope. Turns out it was Quicksilver. And he, uh, well, he just wanted his family to be number one. And uh, uh, also, when we come out of House of M, there's no sign of, of Hawkeye for a good while. Well, no, they had the mysterious, uh, the panel. So it's like back at Avengers mansion, you see Hawkeye's costume tacked up on the wall with arrows. So the mystery is, did he make it? Did he come out of the world? Exactly. Or did he not? So, but you don't see him again until, uh, he's in Latveria, right? Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he bangs, uh, uh, Scarlet witch. And I think even then they turned around and said that was a doom bot. And it's like, (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) Well, uh, that's all, you know, retcons and, and, and reboots oh, and stuff. So. Uh, okay, so that's where we're at. This is now, now we get on to our challenge of where, how we would redo it, retell this story in the DC universe. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, my House of M is called House of W. Ooh, okay, <laughs> W, W for? 
for the Waynes. Oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm buckling up my seatbelt. I'm excited now. All right. Uh, you just want me to go through mine, and then you go through yours. Or we can do it that way. Okay, we can do it that way. Um, so you know, obviously, you're in the DC universe, and we're talking about magic. I think uh, there are there are quite a bit of few magic users. Oh yeah. I think the one that's most prominent and the one that fits with the Scarlet Witch. Uh, yeah, her power, counterbalance yeah, yeah. would be Zatanna, and I, I'm pretty sure that's who you picked too. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, in my storyline, uh, Zatanna is the one that creates this whole world where the where Bruce Wayne is also known as Batman. He he he. They they the world knows the two are the same, and uh, he and his his family, like his parents, still died, so he still created um, the Batman and uh, Robins and stuff like that. They are the the ruling class. Like he is taking over the oh, world. Oh wow! He has used his his money, his resources, and his his uh, his his detective ability to to find out everybody's secrets to rule the world. Now is he a benevolent ruler? Or is he just kind of like man, this dick? <laughs> it, no, he, he's 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 much a dick. Okay, like he's he, the power has really gone to his head. Gotcha. Like absolute power corrupted him. Absolutely. Ooh, okay, I like this because this is you know this is like incorruptible, but with Batman in the DCU, I like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm digging it. So you have uh, in the the role of uh, Quicksilver is Damian Wayne. So yes, there Damian Wayne still exists in this world, uh, in the role of of Magneto's Bruce Wayne, uh, Polaris is Tim Drake. Um, oh, that makes me sad because <laughs> Polaris is the total forgotten daughter. Exactly, and, <laughs> and I, Tim well, now is the forgotten yeah, Robin. As soon as soon as, as soon as Damian Wayne came oh. along, Tim Drake becomes the forgotten Robin. Oh, that's so spot on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now your Captain Marvel character, um, which is you know Carol Danvers. Uh, so she is the beloved human hero I gave to Captain Cold, Leonard Snart. Ooh. He's he's not like so this world is is very much against Metas. Metas, yes. Nice. So he has the his his cold gun and he's he's able to So uh, he's he's a man, but he has a power source. Exactly. Gotcha. I like that. Um so it's funny, basically this is Bruce Wayne creating the Marvel universe. He was like, <laughs> I hate mutants. Yay, we all agree. <laughs> uh Hawkeye is your Jason Todd. So Ooh, nice. instead of being brought back during Identity Crisis, no, uh Infinite Crisis. Uh, this Zantana kind of brings ends up bringing him back to life here. I like that better than a bunch of walls were punched and <laughs> he came out of the ground. <laughs> so points, I like that. <laughs> uh, your Spider Man, the one that's a celebrity and and is living a, a good life, a life of content, is Dick Grayson. So him, 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 and Babs or Barbara Gordon are are married and and he has the notoriety of being part of the Bat family, but he also doesn't have to uh, live directly underneath Bruce. You know what I mean? Ooh, I like that because again, one of the one of the major like the fallout, I guess, of House of Mem was the fact that Peter Parker at the time was married to Mary Jane, and now he's got to live with the fact that in his most perfect dream world, he would have rather Gwen. been married to Gwen. So when they come out of this, because yeah, you know, Dick is he's always got a choice between Starfire or Batgirl, and <laughs> obviously when he's in the Batman books, it's Batgirl. Right. When he's on his own or in the Teen Titans, it's Starfire. But that could be something that you know, like hey, maybe in the modern day DC universe, he's dating <laughs> Starfire, and then we put him in this house of w and he comes out and he's like oh geez <laughs> well, oh geez even, even before before um uh flash for uh 
Flashpoint and New 52, did they ever get a divorce, Starfire and, and Dick Grayson? I don't know. If, did they ever get married? I thought that there was official that they got married. I know there was. I remember there was something. They did like an annual. And it, it makes Dick horrible because he's like basically like he comes over to invite Barbara to the wedding. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to marry Starfire. I want you to be there, even though, you know, we're former lovers and whatnot. And then they have sex, and then he just leaves. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but that's a different way to give out an invitation. I mean, he, does, he does have feelings for Starfire, but wasn't it more of a, uh, a thing because of her royal family that they got married? I just think it was the fact that she's this redheaded, beautiful alien <laughs> from space. You know? That's always Cause I don't I, Exactly. <laughs> Jeez, she's like 90% naked, you know? <laughs> I mean, but it, it is funny because, but yeah, I, I I just think it was that's what it was because she's. I mean, think about this, okay? Think about Robin, well, Dick Grayson at this point. You're, you know, a seventeen year old. You're a boy, but you've lived the life of a man. This adventurer, you know, you you have these unknown conquests and all these thought and these things, and then here comes this beautiful and like you know, uh, Starfire is just so sensual. Like I remember there was one that was the uh, Teen Titans Uncanny X Men team up. And, like, Colossus starts muttering something in Russian. And then Starfire just runs up, grabs him, and kisses him. And right. she's like, I can speak Russian now. <laughs> so it's obviously, like, here's this woman who's like, oh, I like your accent. Or, you know, so she's just so sexual. So it's like, I don't think Dick loves her. I just think Dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the House of N book, Cal- Captain America was never Captain America. He was just Steve Rogers, World well, War II veteran, right? No, he actually did become Cap, but he never got icicled. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, so he actually he he survives World War Two. He wins. Um, he's the first man on the moon. That's so right. he's lived all this stuff. So by the modern day Marvel universe, he's an old man. Right. And so he feels useless. His was actually the saddest part to read. Right. Oh, like that. Like it's Captain America volume. I don't know. God, there's so many volumes. But it's issue ten. It'll have the little House of M banner. It is the saddest. Captain America comic you're ever going to read like if you have a friend who's a veteran and they're suffering from any PTSD do not let them near this book yeah it's that bad I mean it was I mean it's a it's a good book I'm not trying to be like oh it was crap but it's just like when you see what he goes through you're just like man and it's even to a point where the other heroes are kind of like hey let's go get Cap and no Cap's really depressed let's not go get him (laughs) so Captain America volume 5 issue 10 (laughs) so uh, I, I obviously I put in Superman but obviously, this would have to be a Superman that's depowered. He, so I'm, I'm thinking like Golden Kryptonite that would Ooh. would be around. That would so he made the ultimate sacrifice play exactly to get rid of his powers. Wow. Um, now, a question, just something for variety in your story. Would you have it that his identity was also exposed, or is is he just content with like, okay, Superman's gone, but he can hide amongst us as Clark Kent? Yes, that's in my storyline. He's he's hiding as Clark Kent, the reporter. Okay, cool. I like that. All right, good guy. Um, uh, oh, and so now you have the the character that you follow throughout the story, that his his memories are already so muddled that when they messed with his memories, it it didn't it didn't work. So my character is Carter Hall, Hawkman. Ooh. I mean, you, you you think that Hawkman has res- resurrected himself so many times, or, or you know, been reincarnated? I should say, not resurrected, so many times that he has the memories of so many different lifelines that uh, he knows that this one's not real. I like that. That's actually that's a good pick. For a character, in this. right, and and, oh, wow. and you think about oh, who's a, who's a, who's a character that also goes pretty berserk and, and and can you know cause a lot of damage would be Hawkman or yeah Hawkman yeah yeah he totally plays that now it wouldn't be the human resistance um, movement 
in this book because Batman is human and he's all about getting rid of the, the metas and stuff. Yeah. So it would be the the meta resistance, you know, basically there maybe there's an underlying story where where, where Batman has uh, hordes of metas like uh, in cages somewhere or in in tubes somewhere, you know, powering wow. stuff, you know. He he might even cuz that's how you know Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne as Batman's mind works. How can I best utilize this person? So mm-hmm. people who have electricity powers you know, are, are you're sitting the new in a power two, you're a new power source for this whole wow. country, you know. Wow. Uh, you know, people who have uh, healing about uh, abilities, their their blood is being tapped so that you could, that hospitals don't have to worry about healing people anymore. Right. So, Plastic Man is my Luke Cage. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it seems funny, but I go back to this storyline in Grant Well, but Morrison he was a, a thug. You know, he was a street guy. So it makes sense that he'd be somebody who could be like, I can organize a gang and I can make sure we don't get caught. Right, exactly. I like that. And and I go I go back to the Grant Morrison storyline where he wrote uh, in JLA that I think it was Grant Morrison, it might have been someone else, but <laughs> he Batman says Plastic Man is the most powerful meta in the world. I feel like that's going to be your next tattoo. <laughs> like you're just going to have that streamed right over your like your right shoulder, you know, like Plastic Man is the most extreme meta. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so that's and, oh, and then the story ends with uh, you know them finding out, figuring out that it's Damian Wayne, Wayne who's who's talking to, who, into Zatanna's ear to get him to make it so that his Bruce Wayne family is number one ruler, and uh, it and to when they they finally get everybody out of it, they you know Superman is able to convince uh, Batman that this is not the real world, and you of all people don't want to li- live in a world that's a fantasy kind of thing. Uh, Zatanna comes out of the, her trance and she says. No more aliens. Oh, my <laughs> God. You just destroyed, like, all of DC's books. <laughs> right? Could you imagine that? How, I mean, that, that affects the Next Green month's Lantern. episode of, of uh, Superman doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Next month's issue of Green Lantern, he's a pilot or an architect or a gym but teacher. But you know, the funny thing is that when she says no more mutants in the House of M, right. um, after, at the end of that, you have... What is it? Ninety nine percent of them are gone, so yeah. it's only one ninety eight. One hundred ninety eight mutants left. But the ones that are left are the the more most important <laughs> ones, right? Yeah, like so, even though the ones were at ground zero, like Cyclops and White Queen, they didn't lose their powers. No. So what? Really, what it said to me was that if you're thinking about it in in a real world scenario, it's it's Scarlet Witch basically left the people that she knew keep their powers <laughs> unless she hated them. Like maybe she has a real thing against Jubilee. That's why Jubilee <laughs> lost her powers. But like if if uh, there was, uh, who, does she know who? Uh, uh, what's the one girl with the fire magma powers? I think it is magma. I think that's her she name. She ended up losing her powers, I believe. I, you know, I, I know. Like there was, there was some tie-ins, and at the time, the new X Men book was all about like kids, like the kid students. I wasn't following it. But yeah, your, your new X-Men Volume 2 issue 16 through 19 would talk about which kids lost their powers. Right. So, I mean, there's the kids that lost their powers, and there's the one, I know there's the one, uh, I think it's Magma, because she was flying over a volcano at the time, or she was working at an, on a volcano, and since she has her powers, she was resistant to the fire, but right. since her powers were gone right that instant, she died. Oh, I think I, that's right. I think I remember that. I was like, that was sick. <laughs> so maybe she doesn't She doesn't know that, that particular mutant, so that be particular mutant you get to keep her powers but i like that nobody really like you know they never explain themselves but i like that theory that that makes sense that why the heroes and villains are heroes and people that kept their powers were people that she knew yeah 
people she thought of mm-hmm. and the others just it didn't matter because she didn't know you i like that i never thought about that. that's a that's gonna make me enjoy house of them a little bit more <laughs> all right i like that I so like that. i mean maybe superman gets to keep his powers maybe krypton gets to gets to stick around but like there's gonna be uh you know how many green lanterns that don't exist anymore how many oh my god uh, Could you imagine that <laughs> like I mean, Ooh, all right. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, like you know, so John, John would exist, but you know, maybe. Uh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that. It's a good twist, especially the Green Lantern thought, because that does that takes away so much light from the galaxy, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, how much of the universe is not safe now? <laughs> you just doomed us. <laughs> of course, she would have to say it backwards though, because she, she's a Tana, so. If you ever figure that one out. That's a that's uh, a writer's challenge right there. Well, <laughs> there's my there is my uh, House of M in the in the DC universe. Let's hear yours. Okay, so I kept it. I, I you know DC House of M, but my M stands for magic. So I'm gonna cast this story right around the time of JS of the JLA book going through Crisis of Conscience. Um, great story if you ever get a chance to read it it takes place in JLA issues 115 through 119 written by Jeff Johns Alan Heinberg um, and it's great because it's basically the it's the sequel to Identity Crisis which was a for a lot of newer fans that's probably their first book I know that was definitely one of those ones like I don't know what age were you know the plutonium age of comics but that's definitely one of their you know one of the new go-tos and so in it we do see Zatanna she is getting played. You know, it's like, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? Why don't you mind wipe them? Why don't you fix this and that? And at first she's kind of like ready to do it. But then some of the other leaguers are like, don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. And she's kind of like, so she actually develops a voice for herself. And I thought that was cool because I kind of felt that's what happened with House of M for the Scarlet Witch. She had to develop a voice for herself because, mm-hmm. you know, it, like, and it's funny because a lot of stuff that people forgot um, JLA Avengers just happened right before Avengers disassembled. That's true. And in that in in that storyline, the two characters that suffered the most were Hal Jordan, because you know we're like, oh man, he's got to lose his city, he's got to you know leave being Green Lantern to become Parallax to die and suffer all that horror, so he can be the Spectre. And then Scarlet Witch, she's got to go through losing her two kids finding out that they were never real they were just these manifestations of the devil whichever marvel universe version it was (laughs) and you know stuff like that so they both like you know and they're both standing there they're like we have to go through all this insanity to make the world right that's that's just not fair but of course they're heroes so they're like well it's it's not just our lives on the line it's everybody so we'll do it and, you know, I don't know if that story is in continuity or not. You know, I know in the DC universe, they did have the little egg. It did appear later on the JLA book. So it's like, ooh, maybe it did happen. So Marvel, it was up to them. So see, I, I find that funny because the, the stuff that happens in, like, uh, Access Unlimited or All Access, which was the, the books that went along with the... Oh, those were cool. The, yeah, yeah, the, the DC versus, versus Marvel back in the day. Those... Yeah stories up until Flashpoint still existed in the DC Universe, too. Yeah, because that's right. There was, like, Green Lantern issue 83, I think. There's a knock on the door, and Kyle's girlfriend at the time opens it, and, you know, it's Axis. And he's like, is Kyle here? (laughs) No. And then he just runs off. And it's like, (laughs) did I just see what I think I saw? You did. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, holy crossover, Batman. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, so, yeah. So, I would cast my story right around that time. Um, 
And like I said, the reason I chose that is because I, 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 I could see taking the characters. So in this story, and I'm trying to find a lineup of the JLA, and they don't really have an official lineup. So I do remember we have uh, Hal Jordan is brand new back to being Green Lantern. Um, you've got, well, basically you have the core players from Identity Crisis that voted and enlisted the first time. So we have Hal Jordan newly resurrected as a Green Lantern. Uh, Hawkman's back. Green Arrow's back. Wally West is the Flash. Black Canary's there. And now John Jones is finding out about this. And he's like, oh my God, what'd you guys do? Um, and Aquaman's there. And they feel the need to kind of tell Bruce Wayne, like, hey, we stole some memories from you, you know? So he's he's missing out on some stuff. And so, you know, I, I feel like it, that that's how I would play it. You know, like basically the JLA, they're just kind of putting her at this task. You know, like she should, because like, so they're going to defeat Despero. And so they're kind of like, well, you know, kill him. Don't kill him. Take away his powers. Regress him. And the stress on her is really affecting the magic realm because obviously she's a, you know, she taps into that stuff. So my secondary team is going to show up and they are the Sentinels of Magic. And they were a team that was created by Jeff Johns. They came out of the Day of Judgment series. And so basically the team roster there is you'll have Dead Man, Dr. Occult, Faust, the son of Felix Faust, uh, Sentinel, who was the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Madame Zandu, uh, did I already say Phantom Stranger? Mm-hmm. No, Dr. Cole. So Phantom Stranger, Ragman, Raven, and Zatanna, and the Enchantress, Blue Devil, Dr. Fate, Bloodwind, and Tempest. Um, I don't think Bloodwind and Tempest would have been on the team at the time, but I would take them. I don't mind, because Bloodwind was basically another Martian Manhunter, and Tempest is the original sidekick to Aquaman, so that could be cool to see them on opposing sides. So obviously the JLA is to a point where they're kind of like, all right, she's got to do this. And, you know, the, the, the Sentinels of Magic are like, no, she can do what she needs to do, and plus we really don't think she should be the anchor for this, because you don't understand when you mess with magic, there's always a price to pay. And so this is that moment where Batman's going to be the jerk. He's the one whispering her in her ear, and he's kind of to a point. And again, we're going to find out that there was a little bit of possession by Despero, so he's using Batman as his mouthpiece, and Batman's just like, take it all away. No more, no more anything. Get rid of all these heroics. No more metas, no more magic. And so we wake up, and it's a modern world. Everything's fine. And my point of view character, I'm going to give it to Boston Brand. I, yes. I like him, but he's alive. Wow. You know, he's alive. And that's why he knows something's wrong, because he's like, wait a minute, I can feel. <laughs> this is weird. I mean, that's, I mean you know? that's, so, that's so incredible, because uh, for a character who lives in between worlds, he's, he's not quite dead i mean he's dead but he's not in the afterlife yeah, he's not he's fully not dead the, he's not he's not in the current life so for him to be ripped out of limbo yeah. like that and put into the real world or have life again he would feel that even even through the fake memories yep and and plus i like it because he's going to be torn because it's like he does have his greatest wish he's alive again so should he be fighting to fix this or should he just shut up and accept it so that's where he's so he's almost kind of got the peter parker uh, problem too where mm-hmm. it's like oh man i really want this so anyways so he's gonna be there he's gonna be our medium and eventually he will kind of be like all right i gotta go back and i gotta fix it because again you know heroes do that you know it's not just for them it's for everybody else um my captain america of the group i'm gonna actually i'm gonna give that one to uh alan scott so because you know he's a golden age character he's been around from the day you know he got to have the green lantern magic 
And so he was a hero of his era and stuff like that. But I'm going to have it that when the heroes like, you know, probably like the 50s and 60s, his flame burnt out. And so all he could do now was just age as an old man. So it's like he'd be that sad story, that sad part of the tale where it's like, here's this guy who did all these great, amazing things. He was the original Superman. And now it's like he's just some dude, some old guy (laughs) just waiting to die in a sense. Um so all the characters are going through this stuff. And I would take this as a sto- as an opportunity to finally address the Phantom Stranger's origin. That's um, dangerous character. Oh, right it there. is. It is because it's so messy. You know, some people have played it off that. Um, like, I know one of the big ones is he's supposed to be Judas. Right. And the, the, the silver necklace is actually the 30 coins. I don't mind that. I actually want to make him, and the name escapes me right now, but he was the Roman centurion who stabbed Jesus. Okay. I'm going to, that, that's who he is. And so, obviously, he was condemned to walk the earth, and that's how he became the Phantom Stranger, because like nobody's going to know him, so that's, that's going to be his origin. So he's actually going to have his full set of memories. And, you know, hopefully spin out a book, make it worthwhile where people will want to read it. Or, you know, cast him back into limbo and he doesn't get published. <laughs> and so anyway, so... Well, see, the, that's what I always thought was funny when they're talking about in DC Comics when they have the, the, the basically the omnipotent council, you always see Ganthet, Ganthet and yeah. uh, Highfather. Zeus. Zeus and then uh, Phantom Stranger. Those yeah, he was four. always one who could kind of... And he would go back and forth. He'd, he'd talk to the people and he'd talk to the quintessence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was cool. I remember those. I kind of wish they would have kept that idea around. But so anyways, so when it all comes back in, and again, like we're going to have, so the JLA and the Sentinels of Magic, they all team up and they're like, okay, you know, and they they get to a point where they're convincing Zatanna that this isn't real. And it's going to be tough for her because one of the major magic holders, her father, is alive again. And I thought that'd be good for her to have to play with. And she realizes that her dad, you know, he did the little bit of super heroics, but it wasn't anything major. You know, it was just kind of, you know, there. But here in this world, her dad is something that's great, you know, and it's like, I have to sacrifice that. And she's upset because you're going to have you're going to have your split team. So you'll have uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow and Black Canary are fighting to fix it and make it right, you know. But then you're going to have Hawkman atom and flash and they're gonna be like well fix it but avenge too and so she's just tired of it she's like i'm sick of your justice i'm sick of your 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 rules and your judgment so at the end when she's gonna and i like that twist i'm gonna steal that from you saying it backwards you know (laughs) so it'll be like you know metas no more right and so sure enough that's what's gonna happen is a bunch of people will lose their powers and it was quicksilver who had to pay the price and lose his powers so in this one i'm gonna make Hawkman loses powers. He's got nothing. See, so that, but see, now that, that 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 really goes on who which which Hawkman you're talking about. Cause... Well, but see, and that's the so that's what I'm going to do. So he's going to be right now. So he's cut off from all of it. So now for the first time, he's actually very vulnerable. Like if he dies, there is no resurrection. So his nth metal is oh. void. He you know he doesn't get the power upgrades from it, the healing factor from it. He's got nothing. And so it's like, yeah, you're this ultimate warrior, but you don't have your get out of jail free card. No more healing factor and, you know, no more resurrections. So he's going to be scared. You know, it's like, oh, shoot, man. You know, like, so he's to a point where he's almost like, well, forget it. You know, everybody looks at me as a jerk for wanting to put these criminals away. Now I'm going to literally be risking my life 
do I want to do it anymore? And so we're going to see kind of like a darker, edgier um, Hawkman for it. And, you know, so that's that's kind of where I decided to go with that one. So there's my uh, there's my House of M at the DCU. <laughs> I, I like it. That's a, it's a very interesting story of, of, of especially especially following uh, Boston Brand. I think that was a, a great decision they made in uh, Brightest Day. Oh, to, yes. To have him be the main character. And <laughs> one of the biggest things I, I found when I read that book was that uh, he takes off the mask. I was like, that was a mask? I never <laughs> realized that, that was a mask. I just thought it was like his, his dead face. Oh, that's funny. But I guess that's uh, the mask that he wore when he was a trapeze artist. Oh, yeah. De- yeah. dead man. That was his costume. That was the whole thing of it. Yeah, no, I always thought, I thought that was cool. Well, I tell you, like, it's funny because like one of my first exposures, and I guess I should say this for like a Dead Man 101, but it was like it was this trade paperback of these four comics, and it was Batman Dead Love or something like that, and it was just funny to see like a superhero get his heart broken, and you're like, holy crap, that's the way I would act, that's how I would feel, and so you're reading this and you're like, wow, and so he's kind of been one of like my little like you know B list characters, you know, because he he's like. I mean, you go back to his first appearance, you know, he's horror. He's a horror comic hero. Right, right. And you weren't allowed to publish horror. So this is the way they were still like, well, we can make it Ghosts and Goblins, but he's a superhero, so it's okay. (laughs) And I think he's a neat character. And, yeah, I loved Brightest Day until, you know, editorial took over. (laughs) And turns out it wasn't Boston Brand. It was Swamp Thing. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Uh, Just a horrible twist of the book I was reading. But I thought that'd be neat because I really want to – like, I like Boston. And I guess now I'm starting to sound like that that horrible comic book writer but i want to twist the screws i want to make him suffer a little bit you know give him some some humanity and i mean could you imagine that though you're you're dead you know and the best way for you to have lived was that you know because when boston was alive he was a jerk right so he was all for himself and didn't care about any, anything else or anybody else yeah, didn't care about a damn thing and so here now he's actually a good guy because of death but this time it's like well you have that part of you now you've grown to be that man and you're alive will you, will you really do the right thing yeah. or will you just be like well if everybody's happy and the world's spinning <laughs> do 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 you know and even some neat things to play with too like i mean could you imagine ray palmer in this world hey uh his his ex-girlfriend or his ex-wife uh gene she's not crazy she didn't kill some of these people, you know, like, <laughs> some of their oh, friends. you know, yeah. So that could be, that could be something. And definitely there'd be some fun spinoff books. Tim Drake's a good character to play with in that one. Cause God, for him being the forgotten Robin, he did lose a lot. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I definitely, so yeah, I thought that'd be fun to play with. And, you know, Zatanna, I think yeah, I, I figured we'd both probably land on her cause she is, <laughs> she's definitely the DC equivalent of Scarlet Witch. Right. And so if we're looking at that in magic, you know, it's obviously powerful enough. It stops Superman, you know. Again. It enhances Thor, you yeah, know. So it's like, go. wow, that's uh, that's some stuff there. It's a <laughs> very scary force. Well, there you go, folks. Another Imaginif in the bag. We uh, we have conquered the House of M. Um, what did you think of it? Well, we'd love to hear your feedback, and uh, we, we always do. Uh, so uh, keep, in, keep in touch with us. Let's hear what... Chris has for a new challenge for the next one. You know, this is always the hardest part. <laughs> this is always the hardest part. So I guess, what will I challenge you with? Good question. Can you pause it? <laughs> All right, so thinking about that for a moment, here's what I've come up with. 
I want to take, um, since I've got Rebirth on the brain, so DC Comics did Flash Rebirth and they did Green Lantern Rebirth. And basically what I interpret it as, I think the editorial mission is to take a character that, is, that has some kind of legacy, some kind of longing in the, the, the comic book universe and make it whole again. Fix it and just bring it to its finest. So I want you to do a Marvel Rebirth. Not the universe, just give me a character. Any and character you basically want, basically in then... the vein of Green Lantern or Flash, and 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 uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a character that's dead, but just a character that's broken. Yeah, something that's broken. So, like, I mean, you could say, like, you know, pick Nova. You know, he's going through some stuff. So, do we fix that? Do we make it a legacy, <laughs> or whatever the case may be? Uh, you know, so yeah, so that, that's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to. We're actually going to. You're, you're going to come up with a story. There is no. There's no blueprint. You know, it's like <laughs> all right, here you go. Yeah, you know, but you could, you know, it could be a parallax thing. It could be a black flash thing. Who knows? <laughs> this, is, this is very, you know, this is a, uh, this is a, uh, this is issue nine for us now. So, or that will be issue nine. So, I think we've we've been uh, running our chops enough that we can oh, we yeah. can figure this out. Uh, I'm excited for it. So. Uh, let, let's see what we can do. Yeah, so I'm very excited. So there we go. We'll have our own Marvel character rebirth. <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of us, you can get me on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. You can find Christopher Franey at uh, stuff I should say, should being S H U D. I'm on the Twitters with that. Uh, then you can also find at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and geekleetradio.com is our. Uh, website where we have some archived podcasts so definitely give us a uh, listen to there if you need to catch up yeah always go back and check out your back issues folks <laughs> that's right Highly check recommend out your back it. issues uh <laughs> and next week when we have more questions we'll be getting to our letters page <laughs> oh god <laughs> here comes the soapbox <laughs> <laughs> but uh until then this has been imagine if on the geek elite radio network saying always remember to geek out there you go we now return you to your regularly scheduled program.